following program is your wake-up call. Listen at discretion advised. Welcome to the Progressive Union. I am your host, Doreen DeLeonardo, broadcasting to you from New York City. We report the news the corporate media ignores. Joining me for this hour, as always, is my husband and co-host, Tony DeLeonardo. And if I get a corona this week, I want it with a slab of lime instead of lemon. (laughs) All right, folks, I hope everybody's doing well and feeling well. Uh, We haven't been with you for a few weeks, got a little hung up. Um, So we had the Nevada caucus. Bernie got like 48% of the vote. And the best part of it was they had to call him the front runner. Their heads exploded in the mainstream media. Another slam dunk by Sanders. So that was great. Um, Then, of course, now the mainstream media and the... uh, the um, establishment DNC is in freakout mode. So now they keep talking about, they're calling him a democratic socialist all the time, constantly. They're talking about electability, like can he be Trump constantly. That's, you know, now we have Democrats. In- yeah, they're getting the uh, depends crowd and <laughs> the uh, life alert crowd all in a panic. Right, mode. right. So they have, you know, um, they talk about the down ballot races. You know, Democrats in the House are worried they won't get reelected because they're worried about their jobs, not our well, jobs. Bernie got elected, so I've fallen and I can't and get, get up. up. <laughs> you know, something I'd say, they just lay there. Um, but in the meantime, the millennials, the young people, uh, they're excited and they are not afraid of socialism, not afraid of the word, because for them, socialism means they get to go to college. Socialism means they're not in debt. Socialism means they have guaranteed health insurance. For them, it's a good word, not a bad one. So it doesn't have the stigma that it holds with people that are like 65 and older. And let's face it, those people, they got theirs. They have their Medicare. They have their Social Security, right? They have a pension probably from a job. Those are the droopy draw Democrats. Oh, you're funny. They have a house with a mortgage paid, and uh, maybe they're summering in Florida. So they don't really have to worry about anything, and they'll be dead by the time the planet is melted. But the younger people, the people 40 and under, it's quite a different um, perspective they have on their future, which is riddled with debt already. So... Um, that's the state of the race. Now, let's talk a little bit about, oh, my Lord in heaven. I don't even know how to what to call this. Okay, it was a press conference yesterday. And I have to tell you, I, I think Tony thinks that, I, he thinks I'm crazy that I have watched every State of the Union with Trump. I watched uh, many of his rallies. I forced myself to. I have watched his press conferences when he had them. We haven't seen that press room in like who knows how many how many years now. Um, and I've put myself through watching them because you need to watch your opposition to know how to beat them. So I always watch. So yesterday, I couldn't watch it live. Tony actually watched it here at home. And um, I'm surprised the TV was still intact when I got back. Yeah, so am I. Because I can't afford to buy a new one. Because I, I wa- so I was working and I came home. And then before I went to bed, imagine, this is what I do before I go to bed. I said, you know, I really have to watch the video of him at this press conference in the press room about the coronavirus. Like, I need to see what everybody's talking about for my own sake. I said, how could it be worse than anything else that he's ever done? I mean, he's done it all, right? I mean, 
<laughs> the greatest hits of Trump. So I said, okay, let me watch this. And the reason why I, was, I made myself watch it is because this is a really serious subject matter. This is the test that Tony and I have been waiting for. A real disaster that takes place, that affects directly the American people. Not Puerto Rico, as Tony was saying earlier, we were talking. Not like some other place that's like not the mainland, you know, but something that could affect anybody, regardless of how much money they have or where they live, right? It's a virus. So we're all... Well, you got to remember. All of us could get it. It took one night for Ebenezer Scrooge to turn around. It's been over three years and he still hasn't yeah, turned around. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So, so actually he he's is, worse. He is beyond... Well, he's worse. Hope. So... So the markets have been going crazy because we're very uh, interconnected now. So like China is a big customer of many companies. Like today, I didn't know that Budweiser, people in China love Budweiser. And for the past few months, because they are literally nailed in their homes, by the way, yeah, nailed. Yeah, yeah, king of beer. We like a dog with spots. Oh, you're so funny. So they are not going. It's a big red a fire engine. They're not going to happy hour, and they're not drinking at home. So they're not consuming Budweiser, which has been a disaster for Budweiser. They've posted huge losses, and they are looking to the future that they are going to continue to lose. I can't tell you how many different companies they rattled off today while I was driving around. Oh, no, we cannot get Kentucky bourbon either. Oh, you're so funny. So it is very, um, so the problem in China is, is huge. Now, it's spread now through Europe, Brazil, you name it, um, in Iran. It's Doesn't one of the head of state? Yeah, yeah, the vice president of Iran now has this has virus. It. So that just shows so you. you think the way they dress from head to toe <laughs> with only the eyes sticking out, is that's not even protected. No, that's for the women. The men are not it protected. It is a woman. Oh, she is. I think it's a woman. Get out! I'm gonna have to. I'll have to Google that later. So, so, so the the virus doesn't like you know. Nobody's protected. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter who you are. So, Trump's role, which he doesn't understand, okay, is to come out and make everybody feel like it's under control. That he's not good at that. Okay, the under control. <laughs> He didn't even he didn't get any close to that bullseye. Let me tell you something. He barely has control of his own bladder. At Listen this to me, Tony. I know you saw this too, but I'm watching him, and he starts talking about how surprised he was that people die of the flu. And he, hey, Doc, I couldn't believe what you told me. All right, there was a doctor up there with him. Okay, I can't believe you see like you know we all these people they die of the flu like as if like that makes this better. Like, hey, all those people died, so just a few more are going to die. I had to pick up my wife the other night. I get She gets in the car. I think my, the look on my face. Oh, after you watched I this? I was looking at the speech. She goes, well, how was it? I says, I cannot believe what I just well, said. Well, it was a press conference. So Whatever. Which is even worse for him. But I says, I cannot believe what I just witnessed. So he keeps talking about there's only 15 people. They're doing really good. Everything's good. We have the best people, you know, whatever. So I'm waiting yeah, for the same, best the people. So I'm waiting for the best people, okay? Some woman came up. She's some expert, supposedly works at CDC. She was not impressive. I didn't hear anything that made me feel comfortable, like she's on the job. Didn't help me. The other guy that came on, so Trump's like, yeah, we're working on a vaccine. It's good. Don't worry. Everybody's getting better. We only have 15 cases. Don't worry yeah, about meanwhile, it. Meanwhile, we got people on Long Island, New York, 80 people in self-quarantine. Right, just in case. But that's a significant number of people. So 
He keeps going back to there's only 15 people. One's really sick, but he's doing good. And everybody else is going to be better soon. Everything's going to be fine. He doesn't, you know, it takes two weeks, supposedly, what little we know, for people could be walking around with it and not even know it. You could be carrying it and not be sick. I mean, that is possible. That happens with everything. You are usually sick before you know it, right? So he's saying all this stuff and he keeps talking about, you know, I got everybody's working on it. They're going to give me reports. Yeah, that, okay. So... It was not a calming, it did not make people feel confident. Uh, it was actually the opposite. So then he announces, oh my God, this was the knuckleball, okay? So you're thinking to yourself, who's in charge? Now he fired two years ago, the guy that was in charge of pandemics, okay? There's not a lot of people that like go to college and study to be a pandemic expert. So he got rid of that person and a whole bunch of other people from the CDC because who needs those people, right? And he never replaced them. So now a guy comes up and says, oh, you know, we're going to fast track the, the drug and we're doing really good, but year and a half, it'll be ready. Well, it doesn't help us now. Then he talks about, he starts talking about Xi, who's the president of China, who's a very good friend of his, remember, because he is a dictator. So he likes him and says, yeah, I talked to Xi. We had a great conversation. He's working really hard. I think that was the moment. And when he said that Pence was in charge those were the two moments that the stock market said, oh, no. Investors say, whoa. First of all, I'm going to give you the two reasons. Because you know why? You have a president that wants to tweet away the virus <laughs> and a vice president put in charge that wants to pray it away. Well, that's true. You're right about okay? that. Okay, like the praying away the gay that never, that never worked for him. So Pence, the problem with Pence is, so if you go back to the Bush years, because Bush wasn't really uh, good at this emergency stuff either. So when we had Hurricane Katrina, the guy that was in charge of that whole disaster, right? Homeland Security? Michael Brown. Michael Brown, who the last job he had, he was a Lipizzan trainer. Lipizzan, right? Is that the name of those horses? Yeah, like Lewis Black. He ran horse show. Yes, he ran horse show. So of course, he should be in charge of a disaster like Katrina. So that was on purpose because they didn't care. There are minority people. Let them drown. We can make a beautiful waterfront for the rich people. So that was two presidents let ago. Let them make New Orleans a, a waterfront city. Well, I don't want to... Because it, when those glaciers start to melt, that is one of the city that will be gone. No, I understand that. But my point is, is that Bush did the same thing. He appointed someone who had no experience to do this on purpose because he did not care about those people. So Pence also had a hand in Katrina because he was on the head of a committee that was helping the people like cope with the aftermath. He gave them trailers that had asbestos in it that made them sick, amongst many other things. So he was a nightmare. Yeah, you know he had contractors those, you know hired. trailers had asbestos in them? Because they were stockpiled in some silo somewhere that they never used. Whatever, but they didn't care. That was way before asbestos was ever out. But they did it on purpose because so they God didn't knows care. how long those trailers were sitting around Right, so pe people got sick, they got cancer. The other things Pence did is he paid contractors who had nothing to do what they were contracted to do because they were giving them favors. Like they took care of people's campaigns, they gave them money, and they didn't do anything to help the people. So it was all baloney. So that's Pence's experience. You don't think the investors know about all this? Of course they do. And he's not a scientist nor a doctor. And he's in charge? Okay, and he's reporting to Trump. So then we have the China issue, which was very interesting. So 
he's telling people she's busy and, you know, he's working very hard. I'm sorry. That wasn't what he should have said. What he should have said is what Kathleen Sebelia said, who used to be our health, um, health and human services secretary under Obama, and she was the governor of Kansas. Kansas. So she said what we should be doing is we should send a team to China, work with them, and get data from all of the people that have become sick and find out what the profile is of the people that become ill from the virus and the people who die from it, the profile. And you can only get that by gathering data of all these people, which there are a lot, right? The most people come from China. So is, did Trump say that? No, he didn't say that. She's my friend. He's good. He's working hard. So the markets hear that. They hear Pence and we're not going to China. And they say, we're in trouble. So we're now, in big trouble. What did I tell you before? Brace for impact. Gee, Trump, if you would have got impeached, you wouldn't be dealing with this right That's now. That's true. Impeachment looks good now. So now he's got an impeachment on his record, and now he's got the biggest nosedive. Right, of the NASDAQ. The stock market has the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ. One, day, one day in the history of the world. Right, which is insane. Think about it. On his watch. Bigger than 2008. Uh, uh, bigger uh, than the Depression. And he'll turn around and make it like it's a good thing. You see, under my watch, we had the biggest drop of all time. <laughs> no, I don't. Th I don't think he's going to do that. So he'll find a way. To most of what he talked about was the stock market, not that people, you know, what people should do to stay healthy. And he didn't talk about, you know, if you don't feel good, you should stay at home and find out what's wrong. And he started about Nancy Pelosi's incompetent <laughs> and crying shut tumor. Well, God forbid they want $8 billion to right. come back. But this. he's like, oh, we'll take more money. They want us to give more money. Of course, we'll take more and money. Oh, gee, we're getting money out of Congress. And you're like, hello. For what? What's the plan? Congress, for, the Senate is, is all mostly Republicans. Yeah, but the point is, no, but he was happy about that. What's the plan? What are you going to do to figure out, like, we don't know. For example, Sebelius said, there's a doctor 30 years old and he died. So you can't say it's just and old the, people. And the hospital administrator in Wuhan also died. Wow. And he was young? Yeah. So that's a problem because many times, like the flu, it's oftentimes elderly people. They get pneumonia. But these are young people. So they did not do anything to calm us. The smartest thing was to say, we are sending people to China. We are going to work with them, right? And the rest of the world, that is the other problem. Because we watched a video of Tom Cotton, right? He's a Republican. And he is a doctor, and he had some testimony that, well, he wasn't giving testimony. He was asking questions of some generals and uh, that work out in the field in a lot of different countries that are third world. And he was asking questions because he was very concerned. He did not feel that this virus came from that market, that they were getting information in dribs and drabs that China lied and it came from that lab that they have in Wuhan and something got loose. So... He said they've known since December 5th about this, and it is actually and published. And they never said a word And it's been anyone. published in you know uh, medical journals. It was published December 5th. They told nobody, including their own people. So then he was asking questions about countries in Africa and you know different, different parts of the world and saying, can these people, these countries, manage this kind of virus? No. Can they contain it? No, they don't have the resources. So Trump should have said, I am working with 
our allies and people, World Health Organization and the United Nations to help assist other countries to stem the spread of this virus because we are an in, we are a world that's connected. And he might have said, we're going to stop travel. Maybe stop travel from a lot of countries and just hermetically seal ourselves for a little while. Say something. He said nothing. He talked about the... Like, because now this shows you how little he knows. He, he doesn't know basic things. And the other problem is, is who's working with him? He got rid of all the good people. He was supposed to bring the good people. They're gone. They either yeah, quit or bring, got fired. He brings them and they get fed up with him or he gets, he gets fed up and he quit or they fire. Well, gets, most of fired. the good people were there already and they quit. They left. He doesn't like science. He is, we, our president is the Alex Jones president and he doesn't believe in science. So he just thinks, oh, this is fake news. It's, it's all to make the stock market fall. Yeah, he even said, he goes, oh, MSNBC and, and right. CNN. And he was crying. They're ginning this up and making it a lot worse than it is. Ask the dead people. Well, I don't know. A virus that started in one country and it's popping up all over the world <laughs> is a problem. <laughs> and he didn't calm anyone. So today, we just saw just before, he's you like, know, I like don't... getting a little splotch on your nose and you think it's a pimple and you wake up the next morning and you're like, oh shit, I got the measles. It looks like a second nose. Yeah. <laughs> so he says... Oh, I don't know. They asked him just before. He was sitting at the, 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 in the big table. He's always a conference room table. He loves to sit there. And he goes, I don't know. It was a very calm conversation I had yesterday. I thought it was calming. I don't understand the markets. No, doofus. You didn't give us a plan. You didn't say it's a problem. You said it wasn't a problem. It's, we're doing very good. We're doing. We're winning. We're very good. He always says that. Everything's great. We're doing great. We're doing such a good job. I'm doing such a good job. Ask the 15 people that are sick right now. There's somebody else sick in California today that had no, no contact. 15, 50. Oh, now there's 50? Oh. The, no direct contact in I California. The there's some people no in direct No some direct. People. California, Texas. I looked around. There's Confirmed cases. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Where did they come from? And by the way, this is going to be a disaster for people. So the only way to find out you have this is to have a CAT scan which is very expensive for people that don't have health insurance. So what I would do if someone, if you feel sick and you go to the hospital and you think something's wrong, ask them to test you for the flu first because you could have the flu because the flu does exist. Even if you had a flu shot, you can get the flu or you could have something else. You could have a respiratory infection. You could have a million other things. And if you're not really like on death's door, I would say eliminate all the other ideas first. Don't let them tell you what to do. You tell them. And then if all of those other things, because those tests come back quick, show you don't have it, then I'd say, well, you're going to have to, they're going to make you have the CAT scan. And then you're going to see what you have. But there, first of all, he didn't even say the basic things like wash your hands. Don't touch your face or your mouth or anything or your eyes when you're outside. If you're sick, don't interact with other people and make other people sick. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't really like to touch doorknobs and stuff. I'm very like skittish about that because I don't like to get sick. And the other thing that Tony and I learned from our um, homeopathic doctors that we go to is take things to boost your immune system. Vitamin A, vitamin D. Um, what's the other stuff we take? The syrup? 
Elderberry. Elderberry syrup is really good. Amazing. Lots and lots of chicken soup. Amazing. Uh, bone broth, You can. T that's also good. And a good probiotic because your immune system lives in your stomach. And eat a lot of healthy food. Keep yourself healthy. You know, and like I said, wash your hands a lot and, you know, be, just be clean. Eat well, take vitamins and try to keep your immune system good. You know, uh, that's really all you can do about it. But he is not making people come. That is for sure. So this is the fly in the ointment for him. This, this is, is it. This is a guy this is it on Burger King and Diet Coke. What does he know about a healthy gut? But they should have told him that, or he should have had somebody come up and tell because people that. Because he thinks he knows everything. No, he wants to say there's no problem. Because everything that goes on that has to do with him is perfect. It's a perfect call. Everything's fine. Everybody's because getting he, better. He's got an ego the size of the Grand Canyon. Yes, and because he does not want... He's very worried about reelect and he's being reelected. He's always that stupid Cheshire cat look on his face that you <laughs> he's know, he all, smiles. Tony, all he cares about is being reelected. There is no other. He has no other um, concern. Is being reelected and that the stock market is crashing. That's all he was concerned about when he was in India. He was in India, and all they said that he was watching was the stock market. That's it, because that's his argument to get reelected. Re his argument is. The stock market's wonderful, and the and the unemployment's very low, and everything's great. But I'm telling you, that's going to change soon because the stores are closing all over the place. He's People got, are losing jobs. He's got a bigger R complex in his brain. R complex. It's something you saw at the movie that time. The the jelly that we supposedly inherited from the reptiles. Or okay. Something. The well, R okay. complex. Uh huh. He's got more R complex in his pea of a brain. Then it is those, a P. Then one of those T-Rexes in Jurassic Park. You're funny. So it didn't make things calm. The stock market fell even more today. I mean, it was bad. We're going to probably end up losing 20% of everything. I mean, this is insane. And companies are like reporting like we're already, we're already estimating more losses. Because remember, they've because closed... These, these moronic people that support Trump don't realize it is a global economy. Right, exactly. So in China's not you know, participating right now, right? People are boarded up in their houses. Psycho stuff is happening over there, okay? They're not letting them out. They're boarding them up. They're shoving food through a window. Oh, we're going to have the Wuhan version of the dinner party. It's scary. Eating body. Tony, you, can, you can't eat the body. You'll get sick if you eat the but body. But they're already sick, so we eat another sick body. You're funny. We um, build up immune system that way, the no. virus. <laughs> You're too much. It's not really funny, though. They're, they are barricaded in their homes and, you know, I had whatever. a Chinese partner for a while on my job. Who was he, very nice. And he told me that there was a lot of buku shit that goes on in China mm -hmm. that the rest of the world does not know about. Mm -hmm. And they knew about this. And they the hid Chinese, it from their own he, people. He makes jokes because he says his Chinese uh, family, they call him a Twinkie. <laughs> they say he's yellow on the outside, white on the inside. That's hilarious. So... You know, it sucks because people, you know, excuse my language, but people are worried because I'm like concerned in the back of my head. I don't want to get sick and I don't want to go into quarantine. I don't want Tony to get sick. And on the same token. Yeah, I don't want me to get sick either. And you don't want, <laughs> you don't want um, panic and, you know, you don't want to see other people get sick. Like 
And also, you don't want people distracted by this because we're in the middle of a presidential election right now. And that could affect a lot of things like are people are talking about canceling the Olympics. Are people not going to go to Bernie rallies? Are people not going to volunteer? Are people not going to carry petitions? Well, I'll say right now I'd rather um, go to a Bernie rally than the Olympics. You're funny. We have to carry petitions. Again, people are signing petitions now. How about the census? They're going to have to take the census. Who's going to open their door if people are sick? Like what happens to the census? Like this is... You know, these are a lot of things to worry about, but we have no control over it. But the one thing he had control over is to make it look like he was in control, and he's not, which means he's not presidential. It was anything when but common. When was he ever? Never. And this was his time to rise to the occasion, and he didn't. This stock market's going to keep falling. People are going to be losing money left and right, and people are going to start getting sick in some of his towns that love him so much. Oh, they'll, they'll, bl- they'll call it the Obama virus. No, it's sure, funny. <laughs> and remember, he loves this dictator from China, Xi. And, you know, his, his supporters are very racist. So I don't know how he's going to balance that out. You know what I mean? Like, Xi's my friend. He's on top of it. He's trying. And meanwhile, he's Asian, right? And his supporters don't like immigrants, and they don't like Asians. So I don't really well, what know. What do you know about that, old Trump support? You got more support for that slanty-eyed sapsucker oh, over funny. in Wuhan than he does for his own people. Oh, you're funny. So I um, think it's time to lock and load. Lock and load. So um, now we're going to switch gears to another um, bloated oligarch oligarch, um, who would probably be worse than Trump. And that's Mayor Bloomberg. He's got an ego the size of uh, Greenland, uh, all of Greenland. At least. So Mayor Bloomberg is more dangerous than Trump because if God forbid, as New Yorkers we, we say this, God forbid... He became president. Everyone would think everything is going to be okay because it's not Trump. Okay, that's one of the first mistakes that people. What do you mean I can't smoke and have a big gulp? And I (laughs) lacked my trans fans. You're funny. Or smoke my pot. Um, So people would just be like, okay, everything's fine. You know, let's go back to our normal lives. Trump's gone. Yeah, think again. Think again because Bloomberg is actually more dangerous than Trump because he owns. A huge media corporation. Okay, so he has control over propaganda. He is actually a billionaire with unlimited funds and uses it to bribe everybody. He is worth $64 billion. Yeah, and if he becomes president, it'll be even more. Um, Why would a 78-year-old man... With that much money... With that much... With that many bucks, want to have a six-figure job? Yeah, he probably donated to charity anyway. He doesn't need it. And I guarantee he won't live in the White House either because when he was mayor for 12 years, he didn't live in Gracie Mansion. No, he didn't. He didn't. It, it, not, what, he didn't it laid even, idle. George Washington spent more time in Gracie yeah, Mansion he than he did. Yeah, he was never there. He was never, he ever was there. He was up in his uh, ivory tower. Yep. So there's two subjects. So, so they talk a lot about, and we're not going to talk about this today because they've talked about this a lot in the mainstream media. Stop and frisk, which was an abominable, awful, racist, horrible um, policy that we had here. It was just the worst, okay? So it ruined people's lives. And yeah, it was, man, I'm going home from work. <laughs> I got this Fabo slamming me up against the wall, man, and he finds a nickel bag on me, and boom, my life is ruined. That's right. So now you can't get a I job because it's six, on your record. I had to do six months in Rikers, man. 
And the problem is, is that it was unlawful search and seizure because they would just profile it, people. It, would you have you have probable cause? Right, and there was no probable no. cause. It was just you're walking while black, okay. walking while Spanish, walking by maybe poor white guy in a bad neighborhood. You know, so there's that. But they've covered this in the mainstream media. There's the women that he's harassed, and there's some NDAs out there. We know about that already. Uh, they've discussed that. They haven't discussed too much about him stealing a third term by bribing not only city council people, but non-for-profit organizations to say nice things about him. And, you know, you go to the non-for-profit and dump up a couple of million dollars, they're not going to say bad things about you. So all of a sudden, the public thought he was so nice. That was a law here, a law that he could not run a third term. And he circumvented that law by bribery. And, you know, Bill Maher every week talks about what if Trump doesn't leave? This guy already did what people worry about Trump doing. Everything that Bloomberg has done, put Trump's name on it and tell me if it's not awful. If Trump did that, we would go nuts. He did it here. He did it here. He never, ever took any money either here. He never did fundraisers, anything. He funded all his campaigns, so he was obliged to not the people, to himself. He did what he wanted to do because he could pay anybody off. What, didn't you tell me at your job once he had a, a, and he never showed? He was just... Oh, this was bizarre. Nobody showed. I didn't expect him to show. So I was working in a catering hall, not, you know, close to home, and they, his, his campaign, or he, obviously paid for space at this catering hall for his volunteers to come. And then we didn't have, um, it, I think it was his first or second term. They had phones brought in. They had all kinds of literature. So we were waiting for the volunteers to come to do what they do, right? That was going to be a volunteer office for him. Never did anyone show up except for them to deliver papers and stuff and, and put the phones in. I never saw a volunteer, no activity. He wrote the, they wrote the check, they paid for the space and never used it because he doesn't need actual people. Do you know why he wanted a third term people? Because he wanted to be the mayor that cut the ribbon on his beloved Freedom Tower in downtown Manhattan and because he probably had a lot of construction projects in the pipeline that he hadn't cashed in on yet. Right, and remember... He's doing exactly the because same thing. every building thing has to go through the mayor. Right. So when he became mayor, Giuliani was on his way out because there were term limits, right? And Giuliani actually respected the term limits. And Bloomberg saw the shock doctrine, right? The shock doctrine is taking a disaster and using it to sneak in policies that the people would normally not accept. So he used the disaster of 9-11 to come in and say, I will help you. I will save you from this terrible 9-11. I will put the city back into place. And we were in shock. So he snuck himself My in. My stupid union local backed Bloomberg from day one. And I he told hates him unions. this was a big mistake. Don't do this. First of all, I was under the impression... When they said Bloomberg, I miss. I thought I said, why would a guy that owns a department store <laughs> want to run for mayor? You're I cute. Said, he goes, no, Bloomberg. I said, oh, Bloomberg. You thought it was Bloomingdale's. This is how much 9/11, you know, had everybody rattled. I'm telling my union, look, he's a businessman, he's a billionaire. Don't do this. I worked with these kinds of people on in the World Financial Center. They do. Ha they have no souls. A lot of them. 
What did they do? They didn't listen to me. Oh, Mark Green is going to privatize us. Mark Green is going to privatize us. He was running against Bloomberg at that time. Mark Green, I says, Mark Green is nothing but a big mouth rubble rousey. He will not privatize. He doesn't even know how. No, and he was involved in Air America. He was a liberal. Okay. And that wasn't going to happen. So Bloomberg becomes Bloomberg becomes the mayor. Um, so there's two subjects that they don't cover in the mainstream media. So I'll cover one, and Tony's going to cover the other. One of them, and I cannot believe no one ever speaks of this because this was a national story, Occupy Wall Street. And Occupy, Occupy Wall Street, okay, was born in New York City. The people who started it began meeting here in New York City and talking about this massive movement, worldwide movement. So, and it became a worldwide movement. There was Occupy everywhere. You name a city, there was a group of people occupying. And what were they talking about? Income inequality. All the things that Bernie's been talking about. And they were mostly young people, the same demographic that wants Bernie to be president, that's working hard for Bernie. So they took over a park called Zuccotti Park, which is ironic, and I can't believe someone owns it. Bloomberg's then-girlfriend actually owns Zuccotti Park, we found out later. So they set up a massive infrastructure, these people, the Occupy Wall Street movement. They had a kitchen area. All the food was donated. They had a library set up. I mean, it was a very organized operation, and it was duplicated like all over the world. It was like an outdoor commune. It was amazing. And they were not violent protesters. They were very well-educated people that were trying to shine the light on Wall Street and their abuses, okay? Because it was a couple of years after the financial crisis. So this went on for a while. Uh, they had a live feed that they used to have on the internet. You could find on Twitter and so forth of what was going on in Occupy Wall Street, people that were speaking, crowds that were coming. They had events there. All kinds of things happened. They had marches over the Brooklyn Bridge. So many things happened. It was such a huge story. The person that was covering it the most was, this is a while ago, was Keith Oberman. He covered Occupy Wall Street incessantly. And of course, we know that Keith Oberman and MSNBC parted ways. And that was the same period of time that uh, the now passed away, um, what was his name? The other guy, Ed Schultz. Ed Schultz. Um, rest in peace. He was covering Wisconsin, that they took over their state house because of the unions, the municipal union workers were fighting Scott um, Walker. Walker. Yeah, when Obama was supposed to put on his walking And suit, he never did. And he didn't even get out of the, get across the White no, House. No, and he walk. didn't come, he had nothing to do with Occupy Wall Street either. So... It, this went on for quite some time, okay? We saw just very disturbing videos of the stormtrooper uh, NYPD going in there and pepper spraying women and men, uh, beating up these peaceful protesters who were fighting for the rights of the workers, of the union workers. You know, like sometimes they would talk to them and say, we are fighting for you. Uh, it was really hard to watch. And these people, many of them got arrested for nothing, um, we have friends, we won't say names here, but friends that were lawyers that volunteered their time to get them out of jail. So now they have a record. So he destroyed people's lives. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just minority people that he roughed up. He roughed up young white uh, protesters, which they are, they are allowed in the constitution to gather in this way. 
Uh, and there, it became not just young people. People of all stripes started to come to Occupy Wall Street. Famous people came. Everybody wanted to know, what are they talking about? What's happening there? Famous people came to speak. Authors came to speak. It was quite powerful. Bloomberg knew that this had to end. He had to use his iron fist and crush it. So um, this comes uh, from the Washington Post. This was towards the very end, November 15th. Early Tuesday morning, New York police raided and evicted the Occupy Wall, Wall Street encampment in Zuccotti Park in southern Manhattan. The behavior of the NYPD, the mayor's office, in ordering this brazen action while blocking the press and the public from reporting on the eviction is a disgraceful display of unnecessary force on a protest that for the most part has behaved lawfully, respectively, respectfully throughout its two-month existence. The last time the police planned to clear the park, they announced the eviction ahead of time and gave people and the press time to flood in. This time, the NYPD, clearly intent on avoiding as much scrutiny as possible, made no such mistake. According to reporter accounts on, on news websites and Twitter, around 1 a.m., police moved in swiftly and isolated the park from the outside world. The NYPD closed subway stops and streets around the park, set up barricades to prevent people from joining the protests. Once inside the park, the police tore the tents and apparently ruined the belongings of the protesters who had turned the park into a makeshift city over the past two months. Among other ruined items were 5,000 books from the park's library, the protesters' Twitter feed points out. Those who resisted were met with batons and pepper spray. City Councilman member Rodriguez, Yandis Rodriguez, was arrested and bleeding from his head. According to another council member, protesters were, were to be allowed back in the park, but the NYPD insisted they'd have to make do without tents, tarps, or any other equipment essential to their occupation. Bloomberg's brazenness has only increased during the morning. At 6.30 a.m., Judge Lucy Billings issued an injunction requiring protesters to be readmitted to the park for their, with their tents. But Bloomberg has ignored the order and kept the park closed. Protesters have marched to Zuccotti Park but are being barred from the entrance despite displaying the court order to the police on site. At this time, the mayor's office has not explained why it's, it's ignoring the court order. Most disturbingly, the NYPD sought to block any of all the press from covering this eviction. On the ground, reporters were stopped at barricades, refused entrance. Numerous journalists reported that cops refused to let them in, even pushing them away. Reporters tweeted about getting arrested. In the air, NYPD helicopters refused to allow CBS News helicopters to film the eviction. As for the body, the camera already in the park's Occupy Wall Street live stream, the police simply blocked it with a pile of torn up tents. The offered reasoning for the eviction, the same canard as the last time Bloomberg wanted to sweep away the protesters, public health and safety. Never mind that Occupy Wall Street has continually cleaned the park itself or that health experts have visited the park and pronounced it sanitary or that Bloomberg could cite only one incident that threatened public safety in his statement about the eviction. No such facts 
were turned were turned away just as the police sought to turn the media's cameras elsewhere. All this while, as Matt Taibbi put it last week, in the skyscrapers above the protesters, anything goes. Nobody arrested the bankers for pushing fraudulent loans or subprime investments or rating agencies and government regulators that neglected their duties and helped Wall Street crash the economy. But putting tents in a park, time to bring in the batons and pepper spray. As hard as the NYPD and New York City's government might try to obscure the truth, one truth remains. At 1 a.m. in the morning in the heart of New York City, protesters exercising their constitutional rights of freedom of speech and assembly were swept away by the state, while the state, while that state also did all it could to prevent media coverage. No matter what one may think of the occupiers and their cause, nothing justifies blockading the press or ignoring court orders. Mayor Bloomberg, Police Commissioner Kelly, and other New York leaders who ordered the eviction should take a long, hard look at their handing the op op occupation. Now, this comes from the Washington Post. This is not a liberal piece of media, okay? If you put in place the name Trump, outrage. This is Michael Bloomberg. Ignoring court orders, the rule of law, just as Trump does, right? Ignoring the Constitution, just as Trump does. And everybody let it happen. It was just happen. Those people were, were doing what they're supposed to do. And they did everything they were asked to do. We watched it for two months. This never gets reported on the mainstream media because they have to be friendly to Bloomberg up to a certain point because he has so much money. And all of these representatives in Congress have been bought off by him. He buys everything. He doesn't earn anything. He buys it. He's what's wrong with politics. So this is one of the things that they never talk about. So anyone that's out there that's a Democrat that thinks this is the answer, this, is, again. this is worse than Trump. Think hard. So the other story, which Tony's going to present to us, that really hits home for us is... The storm of 2010, the snowstorm. So this will dissuade you from thinking that Bloomberg is a friend of, first of all, the citizens of New York City or the country, or a champion for working people. This story is never reported on the news. So I'm going to let um, Tony, um, this is sort of first person for Tony. The co-host. And, and myself, actually, but I'm going to let Tony take this. On December 26th, I was supposed to report to work for DSNY at 12 a.m., which means I was going to lose half my Christmas, but it was okay because I was going to be working with a friend that night. Now, we knew snow was coming. We didn't know how bad. We had heard rumors. I'm like, all right, at least we'll get a head start on it. Then I get a message from my garage, do not report until 7 p.m. December 26th. The next day, which is how many hours? 19 hours. Which never happened. Which led to one of the longest nights of my life, which I am surprised I survived. Driving a sanitation truck, first from the Nassau County border all the way to Junction Boulevard in such a rush that I actually forgot to check the gas gauge. Mm -hmm. I was down below a quarter of a tank. You would not believe what the LIE looked like. Cars broken down in two-foot drifts in every direction. Because the problem is, by the time Tony left, there was like a foot of snow out there. 
It was more than that. It was, I don't even know how you got to work to begin with. The order was given by Michael Bloomberg. His deputy chief, Stephen Goldsmith, expedited the order. Where was Bloomberg when a two and a half foot blizzard bore down on New York City? He was sitting on the beach in Bermuda. That was his home. One of his many homes. Yeah. That's where he lived instead of Gracie Manage. I was stuck three times in one night. First, going up a hill, spinning out on the ice, getting stuck. By the time I was rescued, I was stuck. My wrecker from my garage was stuck. Two cop cars, two ambulances, and a fire engine were all stuck on the same hill. The, the wrecker is the guy that comes to help get the Tony truck. out of the snow, and that guy got stuck. So there's no wrecker to get the wrecker. You got it. <laughs> it was and, a, my, and a guy comes, gets out of the wreck. He goes, Tony, 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 look what kind of a disaster you caused. <laughs> then he couldn't get out. Nobody could go anywhere. We look like the Keystone Cops up right. on this snowy hill. So the question is, why would Bloomberg do that? Like, I've Tony and I have been married a long time, and Tony's worked a lot of snowstorms. We've never gotten a call. We were in shock to come later for snow. Soon as I got the call, I knew he was up to something. Yeah, because usually they're because hysterical. Because I about did snow. a grand jury for New York City in 2009, and one of my jurors, fellow jurors, actually worked for the budget office. His name was Robert something Polish. I do not remember. He was a big, tall, goofy-looking guy. And he said inadvertently that Bloomberg's mission is to privatize the New York City Sanitation Department. Then he, realized, then he realized I worked for sanitation. He didn't come near me for three weeks. Well, he I, was like he a le I was like out of a leper colony. He wouldn't go near me. So um, the guy that Tony mentioned, Stephen Goldsmith, he was brought in specifically to help Bloomberg uh, destroy the department. Stephen Goldsmith was from Indiana, and his, um, his last job, he made um, the department, sanitation department in Indiana, look very bad. He did the same the thing. Fleet. They called him the Phantom Fleet. You can Google it and Google Stephen Goldsmith if you want to. And um, he made them look bad. He, he, you know, mismanaged on purpose a snowstorm so the public would turn on the sanitation workers because their goal there was, again, to privatize sanitation so they wouldn't have union workers anymore that have benefits and pensions so they can have, you know, the contractors and the slave labor. So he brought Stephen Goldsmith, who is another wealthy guy, to come in and help Bloomberg make this happen. So let's think about this. Bloomberg put the whole city, 9 million people, in jeopardy, okay? Because remember, if Tony can't plow and his guys can't plow, what happens when somebody has a heart attack, somebody is going to have a baby and needs an ambulance? Like, the emergency vehicles always have to be able to get on the road. Nobody was going anywhere. I've never seen anything like it. We live not far from the highway. I mean, it was mountains of snow, and it was such the storm. The winds were like 50 miles an hour, so the drifts sometimes were four feet high. So, And by the time the trucks got out there, because the back end is empty, there's no garbage in it, that there was too much snow in front of them. So there was no way they were going to move it. I mean, it was unbelievable. 
And then once he committed his crime and he had half the workforce, is that, am I right about that? He told like half of you to stand down or all of you. No, no, there, there was people coming in but at not 7, enough, a, 7 but, a.m. But, but by that time, we were so behind right, the eight ball. Right, there was no way. You can't catch the, way the wave. The it started snowing, it, there was no way to move that much snow that quickly. And if you're, anyone that's like lives with someone that does this job in the city, they panic over every snow. I mean, if it's one inch, they're out there and they're like waiting to salt, like once it gets, or do, they can't do anything till three inches. Like they're out there just in case. Always. It's more in panic mode than it is like, oh, let's not worry about it. And this one was looking to be big. We both knew something was wrong. And boy, was it wrong. And so I think he did this on his third term. 2010 was probably his third term. Yeah. He stuck around just to... Yes. So after this, okay, so after the initial snow... Let me tell you something. The propaganda that went out was horrible. We had a city councilman, Halloran. He went and ran around saying that sanitation did it because they wanted more raises and, it, you know, that they just didn't do anything. So I, I was sort of tired of listening to this. So there was a hearing in Queens. Every borough had one. So I marched myself down there to uh, Queens Boulevard and I spoke on behalf of sanitation. There was nobody there to sp speak on behalf of sanitation. Nobody. Absolutely nobody. There were people there that had family members that couldn't get to the hospital. I mean, it was very upsetting to sit there. And to know that, like, my husband should have been out there sooner. And maybe some of these tragedies and really sad stories would not have happened. Um, so... Finally, I got my turn to speak. So you're speaking to the whole city council of New York City, which is mostly Democrats. Like there's only like two Republicans, maybe one of which was making up stories about sanitation. So I got up there and I started to tell the story about like how things unfolded in our household, like how Tony was told to come and then not come to work. And, you know, and they were like, well, can you wrap it up? So I said, yeah, I can wrap it up. So I started to talk very fast and I named Stephen Goldsmith. I said, you know what the problem is. You know that it was, it was deliberately done by Bloomberg, who was away in, at the scene of the crime in Bermuda. You know that this is, this is to get rid of the union. You know the answer to this. It's not how did it happen. That's why they were having it. I said, you know what was happening here. You know it for sure. Don't look at me like you don't know. I mean, I just let it go. And nobody else did. So, of course, the local media was there and it got newspapers and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but no one was there to speak on behalf you of the... You gotta look at it But the reason way. why that is, that what? nobody was there to speak on... You might say, well, where were the union leaders? Because Bloomberg bought them off too. Just like the trade unions in Nevada. Remember the story you guys all heard about the union the bosses? Right. The union bosses get bought off by the politicians and they give them money, and then they do some favors for them. Same thing happened here. The city council was like, well, we're not going to talk about Stephen Goldsmith, even though we know what happened, right? And the union bosses, they're getting their nests feathered too, so we're not going to defend our workers either. It didn't work because it was nonsense, and it wasn't just me that spoke up for the union. Finally, more people spoke up, and he didn't win. you got to remember, this is a man that ran three times under three different party affiliations. Yeah, that's true. And he's only got one. Money. Yeah, and himself. He only cares about himself. He has a huge ego, and he has contempt for regular people. He has said on many occasions 
that not everybody can look at, live in New York City. It's not for everybody. It's a privilege. What? Huh? It's just for the rich people? And that's what he tried to do here. So he had contempt for the sanitation workers. He spun so many different stories. And this Halloran, who, by the way, ended up going to jail, okay, because he was a criminal, they spun so many stories and tried to make the, the, the public not like these workers, union workers. But one of the things that Bloomberg did not count on is that our state, which many people might not know, has the highest volume of union workers in the United States because we have many um, municipal workers. We have many people like Tony that work for the city who are union workers. So there's a lot of them, the teachers. So they sort of side with each other and say, oh, he's going after them now. He was not nice with the teachers either. He wasn't nice with anyone. He does not like working people. If he could get rid of us all and stick us on an island somewhere until he needed us. Yeah, and then steal all our money in the process. Well, that's true. So... Because he is a thieving SOB. He's always got that smug, smarmy look on his face, like the Grinch that stole Christmas, that you want to backhand him. So Michael Bloomberg right now sees yet another opportunity. He sees the American people having trouble picking a nominee to run against Trump. So when he sees that weakness and he sees that lane open, sort of like Trump saw his lane open, right? He says, I'm going to insert myself. I'm going to come in and save the day. But make no mistake, this guy is toxic. And he has no respect for our Constitution, the rule of law, for working people, for women. He is Trump. We don't need another one. We already have a, a, a rich demagogue who doesn't respect the constitution and has contempt for people already we don't need to switch put another one in who's actually smarter and who will do things and by the time we realize it it's going to be too late so that is our show uh for this uh what is it today thursday february 27th i think hold on a second let me know. check here is it the 27th 27th this month has gone by. So South Carolina is Saturday. Let's see how it goes. I think... Another slam dunk for Sanders. I don't know. I think Biden might do good in this one. Oh, but I think God. Bernie's going to be very strong. It should be... Listen, this is going to be an interesting race. Because... This will give me another reason never to go to South Carolina. This is... Stop it. This is... Let's see how Biden does, because he keeps saying, like, this is his firewall, you know, and the African-Americans love him and blah, 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 all this other stuff. So let's let's see what happens at this next contest. And then we have God Help you Us know, Super he Tuesday. Like, he talks like one of those old movies, like the, the safari pictures. Like he's going to go into South Carolina among the natives and he's the great white hunter. Give me a break. I know. With I know. And then part of the time he looks like he's asleep up there, like... Why do people want him as president? Like, he's he's an old gentleman. He's done, you know? Like, everybody ages at a different clip, and he is finished, all right? Joe Biden's days are done, and he was not a friend to people of color. I mean, you have to look at his record. All right, so that was our show, and we will see you next time. See ya.